uh, England, Australia, Wales, massive one, uh, Wales, South Africa, uh, Scotland, Argentina. Have I got that wrong? Ireland, America. Is it Scotland, Argentina? <laughs> <laughs> leave, was, leave that in. I was really on a roll there. Hello and welcome back to The Ruck. Sometimes in years past, the Autumn Internationals have played out like annual reminders that the Southern Hemisphere is ahead of the North. You simply couldn't say that this time. You could say that Test Match Rugby has been really outstanding. You could say that the Farrells are the most influential rugby family on the planet. Or you could say the best English fly half in operation last week was actually Danny Cipriani for Gloucester. Really? Do we have to go there again? Or you could just listen to the finest body of podcast panellists assembled since this time last week. I'm Owen Slot. Uh, we've only got one World Cup winner with us this week, and it's not you, Adam, is it? It's not me, no. That's Adam Hathaway, uh, Fleet Street's finest greyhound owner. You haven't bought a dog called the Ruck yet, which is still on its way. No, we haven't. We'll sort that out. My Our syndicate man is in Ireland at the moment, but he'll sort one out for you. Okay. We've and, had, um, and we're going to go to dog news before rugby news. Yeah, we've had one retirement, Maura, but we found her... Uh, Nice home on the south coast, and the love bug came second last week. But we're in the market for another one. The love bug, okay. And drum roll now, please, producer. Um, uh, Adam is not our World Cup uh, winner, but Michael Liner is. Uh, man who needs uh, no introduction, just a round of applause. Uh, Michael, great to have you back. Thank you, thank you. I've, I've got a dog as well, if you want some updates. And, and is, it as, <laughs> is it as fast as love bug? No. Uh, and playing full back today, because let's face it, England haven't got another one. Uh, we have rugby's warmest ray of sunshine, Steve Jones. Uh, hello, Owen. How are you? I'm very good indeed, thank you. It's are you so feeling pleased about life? Uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very pleased about life, actually. I had a really, really enjoyable weekend. The reason being, so Adam and I were at Twickenham. Michael was, was sweeping out every piece of international rugby he could do from his armchair. Yes. But you were at the game. Hmm, I was at the game. So, Steve now gets 60 seconds to revel in the joy of being at the game that everyone wishes they were at. What if I haven't finished when the 60 seconds is over? Then we're going back nice. on to Love Bug after well, that. Well, just wave, wave when there's 10 seconds to go. <laughs> Just give me a wave. Okay, all well, right. First of You're all, on. I've been covering international rugby for news well, for newspapers since before paper was invented, or almost. I have to say, I, I'm not given to hyperbole, but I can't think that I've seen a greater performance by an individual member of the home unions. I saw Wales in their great days. I saw England. Uh, the greatest England performance I've seen was the 203 Grand Slam against Ireland, not so much the, the World Cup where they were also excellent, but the, 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 it was, Ireland gave one of the most definitive, accurate yet passionate performances I think I've ever seen from anyone I've never seen or rarely seen the All Blacks so badly beaten and, and also beaten up up front I think there was um, the, the, the precision of the game plan, the execution also the defence there was a stage in the second half uh, where New Zealand accelerated to their top pace, the pace of the ball that they delivered was sensational but Ireland were always there there were, there were no tries. There's a message to the rest of the world, take them on up front. Ty Furlong and these guys, they, they, they went for them. They took them on and they beat them. And Ireland have four or five props. They got three in it, probably three, in either side of the scrum. And that is what you should do. Unlike England, who are still pussyfooting around in the scrum. The likes of Rob Carney, Johnny Sexton, Kean Healy, Devon Toner was sensationally mm. good. The Furlong, of course, Peter O'Matney people at the top of their form uh, uh, and 
there was no 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 luck about it. The match was brilliantly refereed. There was no refereeing issue. One or two of the All Blacks, Damian McKenzie, Brad Barrett, I thought Kieran Reid, were exposed, and I think there was no fluke about it. And hand on heart. I think it was arguably the greatest performance I've ever seen from one of the home unions. Wow, very good. That was um, 123 seconds, I think. Wasn't too bad. Yeah, that was a fine effort. Michael, I mean, I, it's hard to disagree with that. I don't know if you sort of yeah. the, the context of it. You might see have seen a better performance, but in terms of what it's done for rugby and the world order, do, I mean, do you think that the Kiwi press is busy, busy picking it over, saying, uh, you know, we've been toppled or we haven't been toppled, we're going to come? Out. I mean, do you think the world order's changed? Oh yeah, I think well, Ireland went rating rated number two going in there, and all through the year though, we've seen South Africa beat the All Blacks and then <coughs> at, at home in Wellington and then almost beat them again. Uh, England two weekends ago came close um, were very competitive against the All Blacks and now we see Ireland beating them at home for the first time. So you've got to take it into context a little bit and uh, what I was very um, pleased with, I, I agree with Stephen, I thought it was a fantastic uh, performance by Ireland and the crowd there just were berserk. I mean it must have been a great place yeah, to be but yeah. um, one of the things, and I was very pleased New Zealand, they gave credit where, where credit was due. Ireland, they were very gracious in defeat and that, that's always a good thing to see. But however, you know, you've got to remember that this has been a long year for Southern Hemisphere teams and the All Blacks in particular when you know they play any team that team rises against mm. the best in the world and really gives it their best shot so when they had to go to the well against England they managed to get there mm. they went to the well against Ireland and it, they just couldn't do it but that was mainly because of Ireland's great performance I thought they were outstanding and yes um, you know, now the rest of the world does know, and there's evidence there to say that the All Blacks are very beatable at next year's World Cup. Uh, the evidence is there from three teams uh, this year really giving them a go. What do you think, Adam, in terms of room to grow or to improve between now and then? I mean, as Michael says, end of a long year for the All Blacks. Uh, obviously, it was an away fixture. But that Ireland team's still pretty young, isn't it? Well, we stayed behind to watch it at Twickenham, and the, f the weird thing about it is Ireland never looked like losing. The, the actual result of the game I didn't think was ever in doubt it makes you wonder what the All Blacks are going to do with you know they're going to start play people like Mwanga and people like that but Michael's right they have had a long year maybe shift Barrett to 15 there was a call in the in the New Zealand Herald for Mar Nonu to come back which I thought was what? he's about 50 he, we, he is about 50 he's played at Toulon for two years which is normally the end of a career pretty much a sign of desperation is it rather than what it, what it is I can see why you'd say that because the thing is that they got these two they got the 15 and the 10 who were small guys and darting all over the place but Ireland found them out and they forced them across the field and what they lacked was someone to, to take the ball up like yeah. Brandy Aki did and uh, and Gary Ringrose did and don't forget that they only get they got Henshaw, Levy and uh, Murray to come back so I still think I still think they have got room to expand well, and 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 they and they're a young team, aren't they? I mean, so the the question about for the All Blacks is a certain figures maybe pushing it. So Kieran Reid, for instance, mm. uh, I, I'd be astonished if they got their planning wrong there and found that he had you know peaked a year too early or whatever. And that Richie McCaw was still world class at 34 yeah I, I don't think there's a need to panic you know what the, the all blacks when they get into a situation and it's not easy to get them into and it's an uncomfortable situation that they're not used to and that's when they get under pressure in the last yeah. 20 they normally won the game by then you put them under pressure and then all of a sudden they're in an uncomfortable position and, and they react 
in a different way to what they normally do when they're in a good position. And now we see the public and the press doing the same thing. I don't think there should be any need or requirement for the All Blacks to have wholesale changes and do all that, bring back Nonu and, you know, Don Clark and these sort of people. So you sort of, you know, it, they're a damn good team. They've got great players. There was they're also very good players that weren't in the in the team on the weekend mm. that are pushing through and it's just not it, it shouldn't be panic stationed but once again they're in you know New Zealand are in an uncomfortable situation that they're not used to they're used to winning and yeah. talking about how good they are and at the moment it's it's you know Ireland have taken that mantle yeah. in terms of how good they are I, I think Michael I t- look I, I know exactly what you're saying and it, it, we're basing stuff on a lot of stuff on one game but I mm. do think that the All Blacks that the, they had one game which they started trying to play at the start that was make the ball fast and in well in doubt make it faster and in the end they, they didn't have anywhere to switch to they didn't switch to a kicking game or a forward game and they kept on trying to play the ball wide and, and Ireland were waiting for them yeah you're right about uh, this, I, I, the I, fast I mean, game I, I do think that they they, they they were they were they were one paced they were they're very very fast but that still is one pace has been really slow and correct did you see England in the first half of that game when England played them how slow England were playing the game. They yeah. slowed it right down and add that mm. to the torrential mm. rain we had. Mm. New Zealand couldn't play at the pace they wanted to play at. They managed to escape that game. But England had worked that out. That You slow them right down and uh, they, they get frustrated because they like to play at a pace that nobody else can stay with. But as you say, Ireland have done that better than any other team this year, haven't they, Steve? Yeah. Because what you saw was that well, you saw All Blacks doing things that you, that they don't normally do, like Brodie Retallick spilling and Kieran Reid yeah. making making little handling errors, which is just so unlikely. And and, and that, as you say, is that's just another team pressurising you into doing that. Press box at the Aviva, we watched uh, England Japan, and watching oh, you must Eng- have loved that. Watching England and watching Ireland, you couldn't believe it was the same sport. You know, because Ireland know exactly what they're doing. They were skillful. Even the big forwards could give it a little go at handling, and, and, and they were very good with that. They knew exactly what they were doing. At the moment, you know, Eddie Jones is into his third season or whatever it is. England have no idea what they're doing. Ireland have worked it out, and England are light years behind. Have you written off the Six Nations already? I, ha- I have written off the Six oh, Nations, okay. yeah, because there's, no there's only one team who's going to win that. Yeah. On, that on the subject of England, a, a momentum. So, so you're not persuaded by... The fact that they have the equivalent of four wins in a row. I mean, they they didn't beat New Zealand, but they they should have done. But they com- compared to where they were when they fell off a cliff at, during the Six Nations, and then had those two defeats against South Africa away from home. Th- there has been a comeback of a sorts, but you're not buying that. N- not buying it yet. If they play definitively well against Australia, I think we can say they have advanced in the autumn. But I have still to be convinced that they've really pushed on. Well, the first half and. Um on Saturday was sort of X-rated stuff, wasn't it? It was absolutely appalling. It just proves, the whole afternoon proved how much they rely on Owen Farrell. He shouldn't have been anywhere near that game because he's played so much, but he had to come off a bench and rescue him. So I don't think they've gone that far forward. Maybe, as Steve says, beat Australia well and they, they can sort of point to a bit of progress. Is it the match that put Farrell in as number 10 for now and always? Yeah. In, in a way, it was sad because it exposed that they really were uncomfortable without him and as soon I mean, as he, he, was, 12 when he, soon as he was there it was just like you know y- your mum's come back and giving you a hug yeah, and everything's going to be alright again ridiculous, really. it, was. it was ridiculous so Michael yeah. as, as a player can you can you forgive England for a performance like that in the first half the circumstances as in well first of all there are 11 changes which is unusual but just the whole mindset thing if you know you're playing a tier 2 team I mean it, it, is that understandable can you really make an assessment of that team in 
playing a, a, a poor performance where it didn't really matter. You're playing for England. Your performance should matter. And then it's happened twice in the Autumn International, so we forget about the first half against um, South Africa. It didn't cost them any points, but England yeah. were pretty poor that yeah. first half. Now, it, there might be excuse that that's the first time that team's played together against South Africa, that's the first time that that team's played together against Japan, but in both cases, they've been training, they've been in the squad, they're good players playing in the Premiership, etc. So what's going wrong? There's something that's going wrong there that then they have to wait until half-time. And then they come out, and they're almost a different team in the second half against South Africa. They actually played some good stuff against yeah, the South yeah. Africans in the second half without necessarily crossing the line. And then against um, Japan, they were a different team. Now, Owen came on in the second half against Japan, turned it around. But what worries me is that there's been two first-half performances by the best players in the Premiership here playing mm. for England at home, and that's a worrying trend for me, regardless of whether they're, you know, first time they've played together, etc. Then they have to wait till they go into the dressing room to understand how they're going to turn it around in the second half. That that is a big concern for me looking at the way England are. I think again, going going back to Ireland, um, you know, they were they were eighty minute team. Um, the, the, the 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 replacements instead of having this ludicrous thing about calling them finishers or whatever they call them or game changers, they were replacements who came on at the right time in the right in the right position and replicated what the whole game plan was at the time. Whereas England seemed to bung people on and off, call them stupid names. Um, <laughs> on Saturday, they weren't finishers, they were rescuers. Rescuers, yeah, they were a rescue team. They should have come on a lifeboat. And then we have the excuse, oh, we've got so many players out. I mean, according to Eddie Jones, half of England is injured. Everyone between 5 and 110 is injured. All this babble around that the England team doesn't exist in Ireland. Here's our team. There's no question thing about, oh, we're developing, we're on our way, we're getting better all the time. Ireland went out there to beat the All Blacks and tomorrow can hang itself. They beat the All Blacks and that's better than any development process you've ever had. One of the things that we're, uh, you know, we're, we're critical of um, prior to Stuart Lancaster going into the Rugby World Cup here last time was, mm. you know, we don't know who the fullback or the back three are, we don't know who's 10 and 12, we don't know who the back row is, etc, etc. Lo and behold, we're in the same position right now. And you just think, you look at Ireland, you can name everybody in Ireland could name three quarters of that team and say that's the Irish team. I sort and of I agree. I sort of agree. But do you not think that England have made some movement in, in that in, during this autumn, Adam? I mean, they, so we know that Farrell's England's ten for sure. Yet he's has he played there all that often? You know, it just moves around. And then if we now asked who are our back three in this room, I think all four this of us would probably be who's nailed on. Who's nailed on? Sorry, is this a bit where we mention Alex Good? Well, <laughs> we do it every week. Yeah, I've never done or it. But I, think, or, you know, I think now might be the time. I mean, the in England's search for a fullback is desperate, really, isn't it? Well, it's I've sad actually. I can't see the daily thing because he is, in my mind, a brilliant player. Eddie obviously doesn't fancy him at thirteen. He's played no. him on the wing. He's played him at fifteen. He's played most of his rugby at thirteen. He could probably he could probably play ten as well if he put his mind to it. So you've got to find a place for him. You just wonder whether Eddie is waiting for Jonathan Joseph to come back. If if Daly's if Daly's this talented, and, and I think everyone in this room I think agrees he's a very talented yeah. player, and he and he was able to handle the shift from thirteen to, to wing for England, or, you know, seamlessly. But suddenly he goes goes at fullback, and he looks so uncomfortable, doesn't he? Mm. So if we still think he's such a good player, if you therefore give him more time, will he crack it or? Do you think that that ability to take the high ball under pressure time after time is something that needs 
year after year of premiership experience. Or is it also a fact, a, a function of the fact that there's so many wingers that are available and a, a reason, and you wouldn't be unhappy with many of them that you have to find a place for him. Thirteen, I don't want him there. Um, wing, oh, we've got enough. Um, and I want those, so where do I put him? It's fullback. Yeah, I think there is a little bit of let's get our best players out on the yeah. pitch and we can we can Move stick him there. Whatever, but, but it's 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 one it's exactly the problem I was talking about. We, we you don't know who your first um, back three are. Even your wingers, you don't know who you know, England no. doesn't know who their do we, best do, wingers do, are. Do they know who anyone is? No. They only no. know that they've got to get Farrell in Farrell, the team somewhere. Atoji. Atoji. Even your hooker. Even captain, hooker they don't know. know. Probably only those two or three players. But and also talking about Daily Planet fullback, remember England's first game in the Six Nations is away in Ireland. And they've also got to go away to Cardiff. And and you know, they 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 know as you say when they, they the results are slightly better, but where is the definitive performance? When was the last time they gave one? It might it will probably be against us on the weekend. <laughs> That's probably right. I mean boy, if you're ever going to attack Australia at home, this is you know, mm. this is the chance for England to really England you know, have had Two very good halves in this, or three good halves, if you want to bung in the J- Japan second half. Are you and I know you're looking at me saying, "Yes, it's more." Than are one you being half. the devil's advocate? <laughs> no, I just, I just think that that there has been more of a bounce than you're giving it credit mm-hmm. so far. Well, and and you're you're absolutely right. The determination of all this will be what happens on Saturday. But I also, I will, I will give you credit for yeah. the two definitive halves. If they both come in the same game, yeah, no, no, it would be splendid if they came on. If they came on the same day, the same week, then uh, England could be happy. I'll tell you what, Slotty, if Japan had held on to that lead, 15-10 lead at halftime, it really would have topped off the RFU's week, wouldn't it? Mm. Steve Brown, the RFU chief executive, resigned out of the blue on yeah. uh, Friday afternoon. Yeah. And now, who do you think should be the replacement? It? <laughs> Catch up with it. Who should take over from Steve Brown? Michael. Well, come on, on. Come, come on! You, you you know every ounce of international rugby. You've had a tremendous business career, uh, a, a middling to good podcasting career, <laughs> and, improving, and, and you were the most famous names in rugby. I've just thought of that, by the way, oh. on the train on the way over. Oh gosh! I'll, we'll get you the forms. <laughs> Should we have a, a special podcast, a sort of an RFU CEO off? So obviously, Michael, you'd be my favourite because you're in the room. But if if Michael doesn't become the uh, CEO of, of the RFU, it should be one of our other guests, shouldn't it? Which is Mark Evans. Mark Evans. Yeah, yeah no, that's true. Yeah, that's his true. name was put in the frame recently. And yeah. and if not Mark Evans, then Alex Lowe. So the three yeah. of them. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a, this is a bit of a low standard. But as um, <laughs> Dick Best, uh, the great Dick Best, used to say when he was employed by the RFU, whatever you do when you take the job, wear a suit of armour and put the breastplate back to front we, we and I think that's what happened to, to Steve Brown in many ways I think that he was under pressure he obviously was financial director so he had to get to take his share of the blame but I don't think anyone was minded to, to take the share take the blame with him if you're, if you're a punter paying three figure prices for tickets you're paying six pounds a pint or whatever it is you're paying ten pounds for sausage and chips they must wonder where all the money's gone you go to Twickenham, it's a 200 quid day. Oh, exactly. Where's all the money gone? Yeah. Well, it used to be that the RFU was basically as wealthy as all the other unions put yeah, together. Absolutely. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't sound like And now Nigel Melville, who's the acting CEO, is under um, some issues in America from where his previous job was, etc. So, um, legal issues. Let's get back on the rugby field. This is The Ruck, and we'll be back in a minute.
This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to The Ruck. Michael, so yes. we, we, we've agreed from, from, a, from a red rose tinted point of view that it's quite an important game for England this weekend. Um, where are Australia how important is it for them because at the start of this autumn this game this final game of the autumn for England and for Australia looked like it could be a slugging match between Eddie Jones and Michael Checker who was going to stay on their feet for the for next season who was going to keep their job do you think it's got to that from for the Australian point of view uh, well Michael Checker's job has sort of been put into question this year, this season, the whole season, and I don't think he's going anywhere. Um, and the reason for Michael not going anywhere, regardless of win, win, lose, or draw on the weekend, is that a the Rugby Australia can't afford to to move him on, and secondly, the can't afford to bring whoever is available, and there's not many available. So the question is, who else is there? Yeah, and whoever that is is probably employed because they're good and they won't be able to afford to go and get them. I would be saying it's more not so much Michael Checker as lead coach, but more some of his uh, people underneath uh, him, his assistants, that might be looking over their shoulder a little bit if the performance against England uh, is not up to scratch. Um, and by that, I, you know, I don't mean that they have to win, but as if Australia could actually perform better than what they've been doing over the last, well, this season, that's, the, that's for me is the answer. The Australian team is pretty low at the moment. Last week, you know, it was a crucial game yeah. against Italy. Now, Australia over the last, well, 20, 30 years, um, you know, it's a crucial game against the All Blacks. It's a crucial game against South Africa. It's a crucial game against Ireland or England. Tier one nations, when you're actually getting the press and people and saying that it's a crucial game against Italy, that's how bad things have got for Australia. The team looks stale, they look predictable against Wales, they look predictable. Wales look comfortable in defending against Australia. And if Falau or Beal don't create something out of the box, yeah. there's nothing else there. It, something has to change, something has to give, because what they're doing at the moment is it's, it's become very easy to defend against, and uh, it's not working. Um, the team look tired, they really look tired. And whether Checker has the stomach to actually say, well, you know, Tamua played well last week at 10, Karevi looked good at 12, do I leave um, Beal and Foley, his go-to guys on the bench? Mm. That may be an option for them, just to create some sort of, something different, something different in the it, team. It's, it's, a, it's a straight, it's an awkward coaching situation, is it not? Because mm. the... the, the if you were if you to write down Australia's best team when they're when they're playing well, mm. then then you you want to bring back the players that he's slowly questioning now. Like yeah. I mean, Bernard Foley is surely the um you, you, the, the best ten and yes. uh, Genier and Foley at nine and ten you know, agree, can Sophie. be fantastic. Well, if you put the team down on paper, you think it looks how, all right, how, doesn't how it? That, how did that like, lose all those games? It looks all right. Yeah. Well, looks when all you right. when you go Genier, Foley, 
Beal at twelve. You think, wow! I mean, that's. Yeah. I mean, is there at their best? Is there anything? Is there much better, better than that's that? That's right. And, and then, then you've, you've got, got F- F- Falau roaming around. Yeah. You've got Karevi coming in. Kieran Drani who's injured. Yeah. yeah. You know, we've got some players. I think in the forwards we may be a little bit one or two short of a big, you know, big ball carrier who, you know. Um, Pocock and Hooper is that that worked at the last World Cup? Is it working now? Our line out doesn't look great at the moment. It's not performing well. So, can you have the luxury of having those two two guys starting? I think that's I think, a great point. I think uh, Pocock might be out Saturday anyway. Yeah, yeah he, he might be injured. So maybe but that's a chance that because you know, who do you leave on the bench? Do you leave your captain who just signed a five-year deal? <laughs> Big thing for a rugby Australia who you know. Haven't but got a lot of money. It's it's a big thing. Yeah, and yeah. Falau signing long term deals, or do you leave Pocock, one of the, arguably one of the most influential and best sort of back rowers in world rugby? M- Michael, I, d- I agree with you totally. Pocock and Hooper, you've got these two celebrated men and great men. But the the, the Australian pack from the back five of the pack is just not hard and big and physical enough in contact. And I, I think maybe the I, I'm not sure if the day of the old open side has gone, the old open side, the fetcher, but actually to have two there in the modern game is is a bit of a luxury. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, Ireland had O'Mahony there, who's, who's a, I don't think he's ever got more than five yards away from the from the scrum, but blimey, he's he's fantastic in there. But I think Australia need toughness and they need some beasts in the back five. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they have can have the luxury of playing both these two great players. Do you mm-hmm. do you think that they're suffering from Players moving abroad. I mean, uh, players that come to mind. Will Skelton. You know, when he's when he's at his best, he's. He, yeah. I mean, he certainly brings bulk and power, etc. Yeah. And Sean McMahon. I, I think mm. I know he, he's sort of. He's he's a bit more from the Pocock Hooper mould, isn't he? He's not. He, he's not big and scary, but he was. But he's, it, a, he's a big, strong ball carrier, though. Yeah. And, and also, what sort of signal does it send to Sean when? You know, um, his his person that sort of maybe bo- blocking his way to the team gets signed up for four or five years. Um, you know, mm. sort of like, well, the message is, well, mate, you're you're not going to be there. Um, so that's quite an interesting thing. But the answer is, of course, we'd like those guys to be there. But you know, I think Steve's right. You know, when he says you write this team down on paper, you think, geez, that looks all right. Well, and yet, it's just not happening. The thing is, with um, Skelton came over here to get fit, really. Yeah. He's lost about three stone in this sort of programming that Saracens have put him under. And I think it was Bob Dwyer who's in one of the Australian papers saying, you know, he's a totally different player. But he had to get out of Australia to become a different player. Yeah, Checker though, Checker though was a big fan of his. And when mm. Checker won the, or New South Wales won the um, championship, the Super Rugby Championship under Checker, Skelton was a big part of that. Mm. And Checker was a very vocal supporter of Skelton's. But for some reason, he, he didn't go with him anymore yeah. and, and Skelts decided to come over here. When he came to Saracens first, Saracens weren't sure about him. After about he was two on a weeks, trial, wasn't he? But, but Jim Hamilton said, God, this, this he's terrific. And mm. now they absolutely love, love the bloke. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and frankly, if you fed into a computer the sort of player Australia would love to have to boost their team, you'd probably come up with someone like Skelton. Well, I think he will be available for the World Cup for Australia. Because contract with Saracens this year. Because Saracens, I think, have given up trying to persuade him to stay. I think yeah, be, that's where they're back. looking. I know. I think yeah. they're looking at bringing him back to a Super Rugby yeah. club early next year, or or at least sign him up for the following year. 
and he can he can becomes available but we let him go basically um but i mean basing yourself around that one player but he certainly helps because he's actually got a very good ball skills as well yeah michael you're talking about uh Shekha, i actually really like the bloke and i feel sorry for him but you're saying that uh, they can't afford to get rid of him do you see that the opportunity to do what the springboks did in uh, 07 by bringing eddie in is there is there a, a possibility to bring in a real big hard hitter maybe not australian a really Aggressive, powerful, can-do coach mm. to sort of to sort of work alongside him and give everyone quite a new possibly. Stuart Lancaster. <laughs> quite, I'm not quite, rising to that. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> quite possibly, there's been talk about somebody, um, and this is not the description you provided, but mm. somebody like a George Gregan who's got a bit of gravitas uh, mm. to come in and help <coughs> out and that sort of thing. You know, you've got Simon Raolini who's been brought in as the mm. forwards coach. I mean, um, uh, that's Checker's call. And I think there seems to be that, you know, even from selections and all that sort of thing, Czechs doesn't seem to have anybody that sort of can stand up and say, well, no, mate, that's not my view. Um, selectors, those sort of things. So, so that's an, that's an, an yeah. Eddie Jones-type autocracy then, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, maybe that's what John Mitchell's sort of job is, to come in and say, Eddie, you know, there's another view to this. And whether... At least somebody's so, there to... He won't long, man. But that's maybe what... Checks needs. Bob Dwyer. Bob Dwyer. Adam, you'd bring him in? Presumably he wants wants someone who's... I mean, the Eddie thing was it's virtually he wants somebody who's going to tell him he's wrong. So maybe he wants someone with sufficient gravitas like Bob Dwyer to tell Checker he's wrong. Well, he might as well, because if Bob Dwyer's not involved in coaching the Wallabies, he's he's involved in criticising England front row, isn't he? I think we can expect Bob to be in the shortly. We're just reading the the front cover of a, of another paper. It says Bob Dwyer on his fears for Australia at Twickenham. Nick Kane's been the first person to interview him in the run up to this uh, yes. match. Yes. Yes. He, he won't be the last. There'll be more of those. <laughs> really. Front rows boring in apparently. <laughs> <Yeah>. Still, still. <laughs> I just you know he, he just on the phone every day. Is it you ready for an interview with me? No, 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 no. How well do um, do England have to go on Saturday to for it to be a successful campaign? If if they want us to to the critics to 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 be quiet, they should give a defence definitive England rugby performance, something which shows, uh, represents the strength of the game and the, the finance and the huge time they've spent. I don't know any excuses, I don't know any things, anyone saying we did well for 40 minutes or we could have scored three tries or we got four people injured, it is a definitive uh, uh, moment for England. If they're tired, they're tired. So Aussie will be much more tired. Mm. So it's got to be definitive and he's got to pick his first team. He's got to start saying, "This is my first team." Oh, that's that's a that's an hour long podcast. What is his first team, isn't it, Michael? What's um what what do the Wallabies need for again to sign off uh, to to go home happy for oh, this look, game? You know, win a win at Twickenham, and it's like both teams. You know that neither national team plays again for some time. Yeah. So this is a very important way to sign off for the season for Australia. Um, it hasn't been a great season. Um, it promised so much. So to have a win at Twickenham against all the odds. I mean, England have got to be really strong favourites going into this game, given Australia's recent performances. So, But to have a win here and to be able to say, OK, thank God, I'm going to go and sit on the beach now and recharge the batteries, that would be a great way to finish. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's what we need. We need a great performance, but not only a great performance, a win would be fantastic. <laughs> you're, you're the expert in the England camp, Hathers. Tell us your starting England team. So Eddie's picked his latest squad, which has some surprises in. Well, the great thing about it, uh, he never ceases, ceases to surprise us, Eddie. Was, he always pulls one rabbit out of the hat, and this time it's Piers Francis is back in the frame, which 
I can't see for the life of me, to be honest. Danny Kerr has been removed from the training camp. Um, was Wigglesworth and Young's named. Zach Mercer, another casualty. Give us your starting team. Is this if everyone's fit? Go on, my son. Sorry. This is no, it's, we can play this week. Go on, you can do oh, it. So, so this is the Adam Hathaway oh, read, was... reading Eddie's mind, is it? Or, yeah, or no, the team if, that you if pick? If it was World Cup sort of crunch game this Saturday, what exactly. will team World be? What will he pick? Yeah, yeah. that's available. Team. He'll pick Daly at fullback. He'll pick Ashton and Johnny May. Hang on a minute, Daily yeah. fullback, really? He, he, is this the this team is what you he pick will or do? He yeah. pick? This is Eddie's team. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he, hasn't got, he hasn't got an alternative for fullback because no, he could have brought Mike Brown back oh, in, oh, which Alex I thought we might do. No, no, no. That's not good. We're talking about people who are in the squad. I mean, I think the Alex Good debate is is should be reopened. We need a special a podcast special on that subject. He should have won sixty caps. Sorry, Adam. He'll ever go with either Manu or Tio. Probably play Slade because Lazowski's out of this squad. He should start with Farrell at ten. So sorry, Lazowski's out. So the so the bad boys punish. Punished for the Japan first half is Care, Mercer and Azoski. Kids yeah. would be opening try, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Looks, like, looks like they've carried, okay. so they're carrying the can. Front row? I pers- personally against the Aussies would start with Wigglesworth, but Eddie won't, obviously. Yeah. Front row, two exit lads at uh, Moon and Hepburn. He will start with Dylan. Tight head will be Harry Williams. Second row will be Marrow. Well, hang on a second. He won't start with Sinclair. Oh, sorry. Sinclair's, Sinclair. Sinclair's the, the, the number one he's success the, story of the, of the campaign, yeah. isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well. Second row, Marrow and... Courtney Laws. Laws. Laws as well. Will he play Laws at six? Play Laws in no, second second row. Wilson. He's got Nathan Hughes back in the squad actually from suspension, and <laughs> seven will be Underhill. Oh, dear. So Nathan what's your Hughes back row then? Underhill. What? Wilson. Yeah. And Hughes possibly. Hughes ahead of Shields. He won't. He won't play Wilson at eight again. I think Shields did that much against the All Blacks. Well, I've, I've, I'm never yet convinced by Shields. Shields is still to be decided. Yeah. Honestly, but Hughes, how long since Hughes played? Was he? What was, was his band? Five, since he sat five in, weeks. Sat in that courtroom on on Twitter. On yeah. Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm not just that. No, that was in the middle of October Actually, on a podcast. It's a joke. Maybe, maybe, maybe Wilson at eight. Cock and a singer, would you have him back in off the bench? Just give them a Lots certain what they call an X factor, might be. The Manu problem is probably because if Manu comes in and he plays, no doubt he played reasonably well, but he won't play out of his skin, and we still won't know if he should be there or he shouldn't be. So then you're getting into the midway through the Six Nations before you make up your mind about it. I think he's got to pick, you know. Eddie's got to pick a team. That's your best team. If you've got a World Cup final this weekend, what is it? Yeah. You yeah. Know, none of this, yeah. you know, like, Absolutely. oh, we haven't seen Tua Lange for all. Let's give him a go and let's do that. You know, nail the colours to the mark. I think, it's, say, this is I think it. that's what he will do. But but he's picked a strange, you know, he's, yeah, I don't know, he's picked a strange squad. Well, yeah, to, to pick a squad without Danny Carrion, who you would uh, want as your number nine off the bench to bring some fizz and... Just some did, pace and stuff. He always says it's a waste of time having three scrum miles in camp, doesn't he? Was Danny Kerr's... One of his great performances as a finisher for England was against Australia, was Australia, wasn't it? Didn't he come off and yeah, come on and score two, pieces, two yeah. um, scintillating tries in mm. five minutes? And OK. <clears throat> uh, so we need to move on because yeah. the producer's looking at me. Um, so we are now going to go to our traditional end of podcast feature Adam your god or goddess of the week oh god I can go first so you don't nick mine this week right um, I'm going to go for Michael Leach Japanese captain um, for two reasons one for what he did on the pitch on Saturday it was obviously an outstanding performance the second reason for getting the hack pack out of trouble on Tuesday when we turned up 20 minutes before the Japanese press conference at training in Teddington to be told it had already finished (laughs) and no we couldn't talk to anybody 
So we managed to... Well, um, I like to move quickly to the Japanese. We managed, we, we noticed on Saturday. We managed to buttonhole <laughs> Michael Leach in the lobby of the hotel and he gave us 20 minutes, so he got us all out of trouble. So thank you very much. Jonesy? My God of the Week should have come from Dublin. I'd go Andy Farrell uh, for his magnificent uh, defending, Wayne Barnes for his magnificent refereeing, and Peter O'Mahony, the only man who looks shattered when he comes on the field, but still plays one of... But I'm going to go down to Wales because on the weekend, Gareth Thomas was attacked in a homophobic attack all those of us who wanted the uh, the assailant to be uh, uh, taken into custody and thrown away the key, slightly frustrated that Gareth, to his credit, just went for the option to, 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 to talk to him, to try and talk him round and to see how horrible he'd been. But whatever is the outcome of that, to see Gareth's battered face, etc., uh, and what he'd been through, I think Gareth would be my God of the week. Very good. Very good. I'm... I'm going back to the, um, to Ireland, and my gods of the week of the Irish team, their coaching staff, and all that sort of thing. Am I allowed to have gods? Yeah, you well, can have Ireland a whole was, heaven of them if uh, you want. Ireland was pretty good, I think. And you know, you mentioned Peter O'Mahony and Sexton and all these sort of guys. I mean, th- that team was fantastic, beautifully coached by Schmidt and Farrell and all that sort of thing. And also, I'd like to add in there just to keep myself on side when I go to Ireland. Um, all the public over there, I thought I felt. I wasn't at the game and I watched it on TV, but Steve, you were there. I just felt the atmosphere was fantastic. And for Ireland it to jumped finally, out of the TV, didn't it? It did, yeah. And for Ireland to actually finally win at home against the All Blacks was a terrific uh, effort for that team and, and that country. Right, fair play. There's five million gods and Michael's no, no. father. He's, no, no. Yeah, fair play. <laughs> covered everyone, haven't yeah, I? He's covered everyone. He's covered <laughs> everyone. So there's the population, <laughs> everyone at the crowd, the, the squad. Yep. Those, the team, oh, all backroom okay. staff. You know, there's about 38 okay. of those probably. Yeah. <laughs> You've really put yourself on the line there, mate. I honestly. know, I have. Well, you took mine. So. That's <laughs> okay, well, let's, so Michael's chosen 5,000 people, yep. and I think it's my duty to say that none of them got it. I <laughs> know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I think Steve your point what happened with Gareth Thomas and his response to it at the weekend is something that it's good for people to think about he didn't involve a rugby ball but uh, it was it was a big moment from a from a rugby person so so he can be our uh, god of the week Uh, that is it for the ruck this week thank you all our listeners subscribers downloaders Uh, it's great to have you on board Um, massive final weekend of November coming up uh, this weekend. We will be back next week to to wrap up what I think has been a, a brilliant autumn season so far. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Hold up. 